Welcome back to uh, another episode of Coffee and Christ. Whoop. Pretty sure episode 39. Could be right. I don't know. Very real likely that I am incorrect. I, I, you know, I don't know. Just lose count. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, which one? What I think 39. I'm good well, that's fine with me. That's like 39, great. you could have said 42 or 60. I, I'd agree with you. Okay, we're good. Dylan, how was your week? Oh my goodness, I've had a great week. I went to Dallas, Tejas, Dallas, Texas. For those of you who don't get the Texas slang, I get it, I get it. Uh, That was over my head too. Actually, I made that up a few years ago. Tejas? I just, I don't know, I'm just, I don't know why. But I was in Dallas, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Very sad that I missed church Wednesday. I was going to make it, it was going to be right on time. You missed Booster, man. And then our flight got delayed. And I didn't make it. You missed Booster Man. I'm sad. Honestly. <laughs> Sorry, that yawn made my ear open up, though. Oh, well, good. I can hear everyone so much better. Well, good. Yeah, they closed. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I went to Dallas and had a good time for work. So I was gone Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was back at work yesterday and today. Yesterday was very busy. And today was just kind of fun. We just kind of did our thing. Organizing our new office. So it's been a good week. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I'm going to stay at home pretty much all day. Clean and do laundry. I love I love those days. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just you kind of get to reset. Yeah, where you don't do anything. You're just like... You, just like, you walk around in sweatpants all day. You do some laundry. Clean the house. It's nice. And then in between laundry loads, you watch Below Deck. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm very upset about that. I will. I'm, so if you have YouTube TV, I love Below Deck. It's a reality TV, not re- yeah, I guess reality TV show. It is reality, but it's like about these the people that run the, the yacht. It's like a rental yacht, and how they deal with. It. It's actually quite interesting, and I'm a little upset because there's like several different, like below deck sailing yacht, below deck down under, regular below deck, below deck med, all these things. So I watched all of below deck med, which was 20 seasons. Oh, <laughs> I watched all of below deck med. And then I started going to the original Below Deck. And as I started, YouTube TV like slowly started taking them off. So it was a race against the clock. And it beat me because I made it to season three. And they took it off. Well, they. It was quite sad. So now I'm on Below Deck Sailing Yacht. Which is my favorite. I like it. So anyway, you, don't, you guys don't care. But if you just... reality, t- I don't like most reality TV, but I like this one. I think it's hilarious. So... Yeah, okay. it's been my week. I'm gonna do that tomorrow. I'm thrilled. Thrilled. <laughs> so excited, and I'm not sick anymore. For now, that's a good thing. Well, it's not. I'm not gonna. They're coming out. Good. They moved my surgery date. Take a deep breath, but it's gonna happen. Yeah. We haven't even thought about that. What about the podcast? I don't know. I may have to take a sabbatical. Maybe oh just Jackson on here. I don't know. It's not I'm having my tonsils removed. Which apparently is a nightmare for a 23-year-old yeah. male. Any adult, really. So, I'm not going to be able to talk for a little while. But we'll see. We'll just we'll wing it. Maybe we'll play it'll, it out Maybe it'll just be Jackson. Maybe or we'll just do a spell. We'll see. We'll see. How about your week, though? I could talk all day. You know me. Um, see, it started off bad. And now it's gotten good because I think I had the flu. But I, at the same time, I don't think I did. Because I got over it within like... 
three day, two days, and on the third day I was okay, but the fourth day I'm definitely I'm done with it. But I felt for, so bad when you were sick because I'm like, not that I could ever do anything anyway, but like, I'm in Texas. My best friend is sick, really sick, like really sick. Yeah. He was running a fever at work Monday morning. I went home, <laughs> but anyway, I just felt terrible because I'm like. It was okay. My my favorite pal is sick, and I can't do anything about it. It's okay. I mean, so. I I feel a lot better now that that whole part is over. Because, I mean, it was just... I got so used to taking medicine, I called it snack time instead of medicine. So, that's not a healthy relationship. That, that's a temporary thing. It shouldn't prolong. I'm just kidding. I, but, no, I'm not kidding about the snack part. Um, we were at work, and he literally has a timer for every four hours, and it went off, and he goes, oh, snack time. <laughs> Pulls out a bottle of pills. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I alternated between ty- Tylenol and uh, ibuprofen for the first two days pretty religiously. Uh, but I-, I can say today I've only taken ibuprofen this morning, and that was it. And I haven't taken it again. And I feel great. So that's good. I'm really happy that I'm not sick anymore. Other good news, my nephew's turned one Thursday, they're having Happy their birthday, party tomorrow. What's the theme of the party? Um, I have the flyer. Oh, it's, okay. it's with golf. It's it's like hole in one, yeah. something like that. You finish. I have something to say. Okay, but it's like hole in one, kind of along those. That's fields. so fun. So, uh, but yeah, and my grandparents are gonna come in. I think a lot of other families come in, so it's gonna be fun. Yeah, but you finish. You finish. No, no, that was it. Me and Jackson got confirmation. On something that's really, I'm honestly thrilled. More excited about this than I've been about a lot of things. Even more excited than the Traeger. But we're going to go watch the Masters. We get to be there Thursday. We get to watch the, like, tee-off ceremony at dawn. Yeah. I am, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. So we're going to watch the Masters. But we're also not only going to watch the Masters... But like we're gonna take like four days and we're just gonna go golf at these golf courses. No, yep. we don't know where yet. So we don't either. Yeah. But I got them from a friend in Texas, and he's not said much about them. So I've been like a little bit concerned. And then I randomly he goes, "By the way, I got confirmation on your uh, your tickets." And I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> and I texted Jackson immediately. I was like, "We got our tickets!" So that's quite awesome. excited. But Very before that, next month we're going to Charleston. Charleston. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, we are. It's going to be really fun. Me, you, and Ty. It's going to be great. We're excited about we that. We thought we were going to go on President's Weekend because we're off President's Day, but apparently. Well, we're, we're going to be off. Apparently, Action Union Cooling works on President's Day. so well, We're going to be off on President's Day. <laughs> we're still going to go that weekend. <laughs> we're like, so, this is perfect. Three-day weekend. We'll do it. No. no. <laughs> it's okay, though. It's all right. We're going to have a blast. We're going to leave Thursday night, come home Monday, a little R&R. That's rest and relaxation. <laughs> and, yeah. That, that's all we need. That's all we need. Lord, Lord. Look, Charles. Get away from the office sometimes. What? Get away from the office sometimes. Woo. Just kidding. I love I love the people I work with. It is fun. Today was fun. We were, Jackson got to have a lot of time with Yolanda today. Yolanda, Yolanda is, our is our forklift. That's her name. <laughs> Don't disrespect her Respect. if you come by. If you come by and you come out and say, hey, that's a nice forklift. No, sir. That is Yolanda, and you will respect her. So, don't just, she's not any ordinary forklift. That's right. She just screams when you get off. That's true. And you, if you don't put the emergency brake, it's like... That's pretty accurate. And it won't stop. 
I wonder how long it would go. We should try it one day. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Shot me down right away. That'd be terrible. Unless we all leave. Imagine that. What if it kept going the entire day? All the way down. Lisa Neal would punch you in the throat. And then maybe we would never have to worry about it. Well, we should try it. Maybe. Maybe it wasn't such a bad day after all, was it? You're kind of, kind of wearing me on it right now. Anyway, enough of this pointless talk. I, enough of this riffraff. Enough of this rigmarole. Rigmarole. This petty fogging. Petty fogging. If you will. No time for it. No time for this petty fogging. So you just kick us off. Okay. Matthew chapter 23. We uh, finished chapter 22. Uh, as we begin chapter 23, it's... The end of Jesus' public ministry. Whoa. Really? It is. It's the end of the public ministry. Whoa. He... <laughs> I just realized what you were doing. <laughs> now we are barely 48 hours away from his death, and Jesus decides to use his final public statement to declare, Whoa. Upon the generation. <laughs> mm. And not W-O-A-H, whoa. Yep. W-O-E. Yep. It woe to you. Woe upon the generation of Israel and their leaders. That's pretty much what chapter 23 is about. Uh, we're going to try to get to as much as we can, but we are a little time crunched today. So, we'll see. You know, it was funny. I read this chapter, um, a little refresher, on like Tuesday night. And so Wednesday morning, woe, the word woe was on my mind. Yeah. And so I just kept saying it. And Dad goes, hey, Stop. And I was like, what? He goes, you said whoa like a hundred times. And I'm like, sorry, I read Matthew 23 last night. And he goes, ah. Whoa. And I went, I thought, whoa. That's literally what I said. And he goes, all right. And then turned around. <laughs> anyway, sorry. You go ahead. You can kick us off. Okay. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So why is there so many S's? I am so sorry. <laughs> I struggled through that one. Let's try that once again from the top. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do, do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their... <sighs> you want to help me on that one? Phylacteries. Phylacteries. Uh, broad and their fingers long. Fringes, not fingers. Fringes longer. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. We're going to stop right there because then it gets even nicer. But Jesus this entire time has been tested, probed, prodded, uh, whatever you want to call it. And he has kept his composure in order that he doesn't provoke them or mess up his plan or anything like that. And now Jesus kind of takes the gloves off and exposes their true motives. And we're going to see that, how he, how he gets into woes and stuff like that. And he begins this explanation in verse 2 of their corrupt ways, saying they seat themselves in the chair of Moses. But they say one thing, and then yet they do the other. And so to them, though, the seat of Moses was a literal chair found in Jewish synagogues, and there, in that uh, and that is where Pharisees did most of their duty, if you want to call it, of self-appointing and judging people based on their performance of the law. Not doing themselves based on what they're doing, how they're holding themselves. And we know Pharisees, 
and they they're not new to being very holy on the outside you know participating in those elaborate rituals you know fasting letting everyone know they're fasting washing praying in the streets um, but Jesus say is saying that in reality they weren't that upstanding they weren't that righteous because you know God-fearing men they they portrayed to be God-fearing men but they really weren't they're saying one thing and doing another thing so we just basically calls them hypocrites and then in verse 4 Jesus says these men were like merchants who load up these bur all their burdens with bundles of goods and treats them like livestock almost you know meaning the Pharisees begin their deception placing burdens on the back of people and all this and Jesus says that the Pharisees did religious deeds only to be noticed by men and not by God he and he uses two examples the word I couldn't say the phylacteries, broadening their phylacteries, or and then lengthening their fringes or tassels on their gar garments. And these phylacteries were small wooden boxes, and they contained three passages of scripture from the law. And they would wear them either on their face or on their arm. And so, meaning that men would see these wooden boxes, and were in you know these wooden boxes would get bigger and bigger with scripture from the law, and people would be amazed by you know how religious they are. They're studying so much. Look at all this, you know, the laws they already just have them on them all the time. And, you know, and they're just amazing. They were being willing to bear, quote unquote, this weight of all these large boxes. And Jesus says that they did this not to be noticed uh, by God, but to be noticed by men. And they did much of the same thing with the tassels on the garment. Uh, it, you, it, this is kind of the tassels. You can read about this in Deuteronomy 22 they would get longer by how how well you kept the law or how religious you were and so that if someone saw someone's tassels dragging on the ground they're supposed to be a very religious person and jesus says in verse and kind of closes out what i read in six through seven uh, he says these men coveted honor power and ultimate wealth and he lists these four specific areas in jewish life that they sought this honor out you know he says best seats at synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and they wanted to be the chiefs of the synagogues. You know, they brought out respect from the marketplaces. And then verse 7 kind of ties it all together with wanting to be called rabbi. You see, rabbi in their culture was the highest form of authority. Uh, you know, the, dis the disciples of these rabbis would often re refer to them as masters or fathers, and they, and they just had so much power with that one little title on it. And so... And that's how like the Pharisees corrupted their position their entire lives all for personal gain being outwardly righteous instead of inwardly well the message here that I gather from this and I hate to interrupt you but can you give me some water from right behind you that's okay I'm my good. throat's got a little tickle in it sorry anyway I didn't want to get up and like interrupt the podcast you're good I did anyway though so the message here that you can take from this it, it really goes for Christians and not, and it, it, for us to, to learn from it, to teach from it, and all that. Sorry, I had a little tickle in my throat. <laughs> um, for us to, for our learning, when you see, the first thing I thought of whenever we read um, verse 2 and 3, and I'll read it again, but the scribes and Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not or do not practice 
They tie up heavy burdens and are hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their own finger. They do their deeds to be seen by others. And that's where I'll stop. The message that I see here is to Christians who they want to harp on other people. They want to, to, to judge somebody else. But if you're not putting in the work as a Christian, this is my opinion, but you have no business telling somebody else about their life. You know, it goes back to the story of you're trying to, to look at a speck in somebody else's eye when you've got a plank protruding out of yours. And I'm not trying to, to be ugly or be mean, but that's that's the reality of it. If if we as Christians are going to live for Jesus and and try to, to show others, the first thing, the first way for us to show other people Christ is by our own example. And if I'm sitting here saying, be a good Christian, but then I'm not... What kind of example am I using to teach? And so that's that's the first, you know, real life application lesson that I get from these first seven verses is just, you know, don't call somebody out for a speck in their eye if you've got a plank sticking out of yours. Meaning don't call somebody out, don't judge somebody else, don't be rude to somebody else and tell them to straighten up their life if you're not living the way you should be. And and not not living perfectly, because we can't, yeah. but live the way God would have Christians to live, an honest relationship, a righteous relationship with him. And that's been the struggle with the Pharisees this entire time. They have good intentions, but they aren't willing to practice what they preach. Mm-hmm. They're not willing, all these all these rules they have to follow, you know, they're not following them themselves, they're telling other people to do it. Well, they're adding more to their rule book and all the, it's just not right. And that's what Jesus has battled the entire time in his ministry and finally, he's calling them out. He's finally, again, 48 hours until his death. And he's like, I'm going to call him out on this. But he did it in a different way that made it a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just, you know, you guys are terrible. You guys are not. It was just, you know, listen to what they say. They sit on Moses' seat, but don't do exactly what they do. Don't listen to what they say. Don't, or I mean, don't practice what they tell you to practice. All these things. And so, again, he's calling them out, but he's also using it as a teaching moment. But you got through verse 7, right? Yes. So speaking up in verse 8, it says, but, have you, or, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you are you have one teacher and you are all brothers, and, and call no man your father on earth, for, your father, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So... From what I see here, and then I'll let you while I'm talking, but, you know, he's saying they're trying to take the place of me. They're trying to to be like me and teach like me and all these things, and they want to be called rabbi, and they want all these things. He's saying, no, 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 no. You have one teacher. You have one instructor. You have one person, and that's the Father. That's, That's God, and that's it. And that's one thing, too, that you you have to be careful of as as Christians. Who are you pointing to in your life? You know, are you trying to, to do these good deeds and, and visit the sick and take care of the poor and, and take care of the widows and orphans and all these things? Are we doing that? But whose glory are we seeking? Mm-hmm. Because as Christians, it's it, it really is. You know, and I see this a lot in... Well, you saw it too in disaster relief. That's something that I love, and I wish there's. They need us in Alabama. They've called and called and called, and I just can't go. I feel bad, 
but I just can't go right now. I can't go the next couple of weeks because surgery has to be a priority, and I have to make sure it gets done. Yeah, but you do. They, they're asking and they're asking, but when you're in those situations, and I've seen it happen, there's a lot of people that will do good things, but they want to be the first ones there in the front row when the news truck pulls up. Yeah. Or they want their name written on something so that people know who it came from. That's not what it's about. That's not what being Christians are about. And I'm not just saying disaster loop. That was just an example. But, you know, whatever we do as Christians, it's not to bring glory to us. We have one master. We have one rabbi. We have one instructor. And that's Christ. And you look back at verse uh, 12. Whoever exalts, exalts himself will be humble. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know... I, you don't hear that word exalted very often. Yeah. But I would much rather be on the end that says whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Because let me tell you something, and this is the truth. When we as Christians, when we walk around arrogant and big-headed, I promise you that Jesus will humble you. Oh, yeah. At some point. Because, and it was funny, and, and I, I wouldn't call myself arrogant, but, you know, when I when I first came into youth ministry, I was 18 years old. Guys, I had it going on. I was like, yeah, I got hired as a youth minister at 18. I'm the best there is. And that's not really how I thought. But, I mean, there was a time that I was just kind of like, man, who else can say they're a youth minister at 18? Wow. You know, and then the tornado hit. And the elders of the church were like, well, you're going to be in charge of this. You're going to make sure this happens. And the only thing I knew to do at that moment was to go out in the parking lot and cry. (laughs) Because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. It went from... I'm 18 years old and I'm a youth minister. And in that moment, it changed. And it went, oh, no. Yeah. I'm 18 years old and I'm... And that, that's just... Or 19, I guess, at the time. I had just turned 19. But, I mean, that that was that was a moment in my life. And, again, I'm not going to say that I was arrogant. But, I mean, I was a little bit big-headed. Yeah. You know? And that was, that was an example of Jesus saying, um, hang on a minute. Let me throw something at you that's going to make you realize... I'm going to flip the script a little bit and make you say, mm, no. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, I never got to the point where I was like, oh, I don't need Christ. Obviously, I never got to that point. But I mean, <laughs> at that point, when I was just sitting at the parking lot, <clears throat> didn't know what to do, that was a moment that I literally cried out to Jesus and said, I need your help because I have no idea what to do. You will get to a point like that if you think you don't need Christ. If you think, oh, yeah. if you think you're the teacher and he's not, there's going to come a point in your life where you just say, I need you. You will be humbled mm-hmm. at some point. But I'll, that's, that's what I was going to say on that. No, that's perfect. No, I mean, uh, I love it because Jesus knows that the Pharisees are not the ideal Christian role model. And, you know, he gives his disciples all this warnings on how to not follow in their footsteps. You know, there's a lot to warn about. You know, they're, they're greedy. They're manipulative. They're hypocrites. But the one thing he warns us is about is titles and being called rabbi and not seeking that title and how he's the true and one and only rabbi. And it's not, you know, I use titles just as a broad term because we, we shouldn't, there's nothing wrong with titles. You have a minister title. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with that is the way the Pharisees pursued being a rabbi. You know, they kind of cut throat getting to the top. And, you know, they let pride seek in. And it has corruption that deals with it, you know. And once pride gains just an inch in the minister's heart, 
it's only a matter of time before they start slipping and slipping into more of a Pharisee, a Pharisee's formula. So, and then that's what all he tells us to worry about, you know. He, he just tells the church that do not seek to be called the teacher because I'm your teacher. That's me. I'm here for you kind of deal. And so, you know, we're not born knowing the Bible. You know, we, we are only teachers and learners of the word because the Spirit is our teacher. You know, we, we all of our knowledge comes from the Spirit. And so that's all you hit the nail on the head. You know, he just says that don't call someone your spiritual father or, and, you know, rabbinical teachings that meant a person who gave you spiritual life. You know, we only have one spiritual source of life, and he is God sitting on the throne of heaven. So, and then, uh, that's all I got for that. We well, move and, right in. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, and Christ knows your intentions. That's what I think. He's he's telling the people, you know, listen, listen to what they have to say, but don't do what they do. Christ knew their intentions. He yeah. knew exactly what they, and, and that's, even in our life today, fast forward 2,000 years later, God, they, he still knows your intentions. You know, if you're going into something as a Christian, and again, I'm still kind of speaking to us here, but if you go into something as a Christian, Say, again, we'll use a disaster relief card because I see that a lot. But say you're going on a trip and you're, you know, these people, they, they, they need me to be here. They they have to have me here because I know all this and I know this. They need Christ. And you're just coming to show it. And that's what you're, when we're doing things for Christ, when we're servants of his word, if we go into a situation to where, you know, we're bringing glory to God in something that we're doing, if you're there to bring glory to yourself, stay at home. Yeah. God knows. God knows exactly why you're there. Yeah. And so if you're there for any other intention but to bring glory to God, stay home. And you, you hit the nail on the head with preachers. You know, they it, it's when you're up in front of people every week or or you're a leader in a church or whatever, it, it's easy to say, Well, look at all the stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. Stop. Fix yourself, reset, get your priorities right, because when you get into that you know, pharmaceutical mindset, it's hard to get away from it. Yeah. And the first ounce of pride that comes into your heart, go home. Yeah. Because that's not what God intended spiritual leaders to be. As Christians, we're spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. All of us. We're here to to bring other people to Christ, to lead other people to Christ. We can lead them there, but then Christ has the rest. Right. And that's what we have to understand. You know, a lot of people I've seen well, I, I had a Bible study with him. I'm the reason why he's here. I've heard that before, literally. And I had a conversation separately that said, no, yeah. this, that's not at all, not, not, and not this forward. But it was um, basically a conversation of, you know, you need to get your priorities in check because you, you may have led him somewhere. You're not responsible, though, for that man. But Christ, yeah. Christ did the rest. Right. Yeah. You know, you may have sowed the seed, but without Christ, the seed would have never sprouted. Yeah. And so that, that's that's what he's really pushing here. And so, but, but picking up, it's the woe time. It's woe time. Verse thirteen woe. says, "But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single um, proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Wow." Whoa, if you will. <laughs> whoa, if you will. I couldn't even say whoa. I was so shocked. I mean, he gets right into it. And guys, the weight of the stuff that's being said here is insane. But you, I don't, go ahead. I well, don't want to take anything you have to the, say. The woes run from 
verse 13 to verse 36. And they're organized where the first and the last woe pair up. So the first will go with seven. They match up at the very end. I'll show you how. The two will match up with six. Three will match up with five. And then four is like the... It's it's unpaired, but it kind of becomes the turning point. More, you know, the you know emphasizing in Jesus's main argument, and you know the first woe, you know woe, uh, it, it's against the religious leaders and how they're rejecting eternal life and preventing others from entering as well. You know, the Pharisees were cut off from the kingdom, you know, because they they trusted their own works, they were doing it all for men, and then they kind of, you know, I won't say doomed, but they. They put on other people from entering as well because they convinced them to follow their ways, that their ways was correct. You know, they added all these laws to the end of, you know, the law, the, their own ones that they wanted to. And they convinced people that was, you know, the Mishnah. We talked about it earlier. That was the real and true law that we were, that the Jewish people were supposed to follow. And so that's what verse 13 says right there. You know, So the lesson of the first woe is beware of false teachers who spread a false gospel of works that cannot save you. Well, how would you feel if in the opening woe statement in verse th- verse thirteen? And let's let's um, analyze the sentence here. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Imagine being called a hypocrite by Jesus. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, you know I, I'm and anybody that knows me knows this. I wear my feelings on my sleeves. It's easy for you to say something, and I might take it a different way, and it hurts my feelings. My mom's the same way. That's just kind of how we are. And Or I may say something that I don't necessarily it makes sense in my head. I say it, and it doesn't make sense, or it hurts somebody's feelings. It's happened. I get it. It's who I am. But there's no other way that you can take what Jesus just said. Yeah, plain as day. And being called a hypocrite by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would absolutely tear me apart. You know, because that's the savior of the world saying, you missed it. Yeah. You missed everything. He said, and not only have you missed it, but because of what you're doing, other people are going to miss it. And that's heartbreaking. I mean, to know, you know, you, you hear about not being a stumbling block, not being a stumbling block as, as Christians. And I take that very seriously. Because if I cause somebody to spiritually stumble, mm-hmm. I'm heartbroken. You know, that's why there, there's so much time that goes into preparing a sermon and so much, you know, I'll, I'll write a sermon and I can write them fast. I mean, I can crank out. If I have, if I'm very passionate about what I'm speaking about, 30 minutes, I can crank out a six, a six page sermon. But I can't tell you how many times after I do that, I reread it and I reread it and I reread it. And then the morning before the sermon, I sit in my living room with my iPad and I reread it and I, because the weight of the message that you're carrying, what if I say something wrong? Yeah. What what if I cause somebody to miss it, miss heaven because of something that I say? Yeah. And they don't care. But Jesus is saying to them, you're hypocrites. Mm -hmm. And not only have you missed it, not only have you messed up for yourself, but look at all these other people that you've led astray. That is absolute. that would crush me. I mean, absolutely crush me. And then he goes on to the next one. And says, um, lost my, lost my um, way here. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, again, twice. Um, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselytic. And when he becomes, I have a hard time with that word. Proselyte, maybe, is better. You, did. you sounded proselyte. beautiful. Um, 
but he becomes a proselyte. You make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. So he's saying, you know, you'll go out and evangelize. You and you'll travel. You'll go across land. You'll go across. You'll do whatever it takes. And you're making them a child of hell because of the the message that you carry. Like if 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 Jesus said that to me, I don't know what I would do. I'd have to take a second. I'd have to take a sabbatical. I'd be like, what? More than a second. Yeah. But I mean. That's what I'm saying. We have to understand as Christians the weight of what we carry, the weight of who we are. Mm-hmm. And if you do something to, to make somebody miss heaven, shame on you. Yeah. You know, because you have to, you, you seriously, every day of your life, every second, you have to understand there's somebody watching you. Mm-hmm. There's people that know you. They know how you act. You could make somebody miss heaven because of the way you act. That's scary. Yeah. But it shouldn't keep you up at night because we have a forgiving Savior. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, still, you just have to be careful about how you present yourself, how you act, you know. It's like what your mom says. We might be the only Bible some people ever see. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a lot of weight on our our shoulders that we, you know, have to pull through with. And you notice in your Bibles it jumps from 13 to 15. There's no 14. At least in my Bible, there's no 14. No 14. And that's because they think that Matthew didn't author it, and this verse actually came from Mark. And it's much like the four, uh, verse 13 of that woe. So we're just going to move on to verse 15. And perfect. The Pharisees were enthusiastic and sought out people to convert, only to place them under the weight of the requirements they put on the Bible. They added to the Bible, not the Bible itself, the stuff they added to it. And so you know, the lesson is just preaching false gospels to others. And and that again it relies much on the first woe, but um, and then uh, we'll keep going. Verse sixteen on the third woe. Woe to you, blind guides, who say if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing; but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind, excuse me, you blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple, that he has made the gold sacred? And you and you say if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing; but if Anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by who, uh, him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. You see, the third woe, Jesus focuses on a particular thing behavior that the Pharisees uh, of the Pharisees concerning how someone, a man, swore uh, on an oath and how oaths were enforced. And the, the Pharisees, they focused on superficial distinction and overlooked the higher principle of the law and just kind of focused on the oath in general. Um, and that's just a long woe, but that's that's it. Well, he well, just focused on how serious they took it. And one thing, too, you know, um, let's see. In verse 19, you blind men, for which is greater the gift of the altar or the one, or excuse me, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred. So whoever swears by um, the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. So, you know, I know a lot of Christians who... And this makes me think of Mexico. They have nothing. 
I mean, a lot of people, yeah. and it makes me feel guilty. You know, I come home to my house and, you know, I've got heat and it's warm and, you know, I've got nice things and I don't have to worry about anything. And then there's people that I've met that, that really, they don't have much, but they're on fire for Christ. They have, they have everything. And, and I'm I'm envious of them, and you could say, well, how, how how could you be envious of them? I'm envious of them because I want to be like them. I want to live like them. I want to be that thankful. They have no distractions. None. We have everything in the under the sun that's a distraction for us that pulls away from God. They rely on Him so much as we should, but they rely on Him for everything, and yet we're just like, you know. I'm not going to read my Bible today because I lost track of time. My favorite show's on. Favorite show's on. Um, I'm not coming to church today because I forgot it was Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that's... I've heard the excuse of missing church or missing a church function or church meeting or whatever, and it's the sense of, I have better things to do. I've literally heard that said to me recently. I have better things to do. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. There is nothing better... Than fellowshipping with your with your fellow Christians. If y'all have the time, it was a great lesson. I encourage you to go listen to Chase's lesson. Our our youth minister and family minister did a lesson over uh, being at church and how the impact it is. He did a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. If you have that time, I'll go to Double Springs Facebook page or YouTube and watch it's on it. YouTube or YouTube. But I mean, he hit the nail on the head that like why wouldn't we want to be there? Well, that's and. That's what drives me crazy is the argument there is, well, we're not commanded to gather together. Yes. That's a, that's wrong. That's a false argument. I don't care how many times you It's true. I'll yes. give you that. There's it's truth to your argument. Yeah. But when you have an opportunity to worship God with like-minded people, there is no better place for you to be. Yeah. And I, was, I will say this in defense of the others. You can worship outside of church. You can. I, you can. I agree with that. But I, it is more likely, I will say, that if you're not at church, that you won't. You'll say that you will, but you won't. You'll just, like you said, the favorite TV shows on. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go read my Bible for an hour, but the favorite TV shows on, I'm gonna lose track of time. So and it's not. And I'm not dogging anybody. I don't think I'm. But I, I'm saying this because the Pharisees. It wasn't about the gift on the altar. It wasn't about what that stood for. It was about the altar itself. Yeah. Or it wasn't about what was going on inside the temple. It was about the temple itself. You know, we, we go to Mexico and gosh, I envy those people because I, I just want to be like them. Mm. I'm sad. It makes me mad at myself. Why am I not like that? Why am I, I'm better than this. Yeah. And they have nothing, but they have everything. Mm-hmm. And it makes me jealous because I, I want to be there. I want to be like them. I want to have that heart, mm-hmm. and I love them. But that's what Jesus is saying. It's not about the stuff that you have. It's not about the church building. It's not about go worship under a tree. Okay, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees totally missed it, totally missed it. And it's more about showing off what they have and the things that they can do and not about what Jesus can do through them. And that's what drives me crazy. People do that. You know, it's funny and again, I'm not. Don't think I'm dogging anybody. It's just how I look at things versus how they look at things. But you know, they, they talk about, you know, oh, we have a multi-million dollar church building and our collection plates are sitting on a chair. So what? Who cares? We're worshiping God. Yeah. 
You know, I've had that said to me before. I cannot believe our our collection plates are sitting on the back of plastic chairs. When we have a multi-million dollar church building, who cares about the multi-million dollar church building? <laughs> who cares about it? It doesn't matter. Because if, if the people inside of that church building, they don't have the heart for what's happening inside the church building, they're, they're, they don't have a heart for worship, they don't have a heart for Jesus, the building don't matter. Yeah. What you have doesn't matter. Yeah. And that, that's in a nutshell, do you agree that's what he's teaching here? Oh, yeah, I agree. He's like, you, you, it's not about the altar. It's not about the temple. It's not. A, it's about what's happening inside of it. Yeah. It's about what's being gifted on top of it. And that that's a really big one mm-hmm. that we miss out so much on. Yeah. And it's not wrong to have things. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong if you're sick or you have a family engagement or whatever to miss church. It's not wrong. But it's I, it's so better. easy to to miss the point on this because we were in it it goes back to Chase's lesson I'm not going to steal it because he said it but I mean there are so many things in our lives that that we think make them better mm-hmm. and Jesus makes everything better yeah being at church makes being part of the church makes everything better mm-hmm. not because of anything else you know you, you buy things in your life that improves your life you know, I need a new car. It'll be better than my old one. Okay, get a car. Yeah. Or like me, and it shows how selfish I can be sometimes, but my computer, I, I feel like I have to have a new Mac computer every time they come out with one because it makes my life better. <laughs> I'm missing the point. No, it doesn't. Jesus makes your life better. Yeah. But again, I'm not saying it's a sin to have these things, but just don't don't get so caught up in it like the Pharisees did to where... Everything else is a byproduct mm-hmm. of what makes your life better, including the church. If the church is a byproduct of the things that you have, you've missed the point. Yeah. If the church is a byproduct or just a routine that you go to on Sundays and Wednesdays, you've missed the point the same way the Pharisees have. Everything else, when we're a part of the church, and again, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the, the group of people that, that follow Christ. When you're a part of the church and your heart is there, everything else is a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. And that's what, again, Jesus is trying to, to explain to this. And that's a big one for me. That's my favorite statement. Because that's that's one that, you know, you can, you can prevent yourself from making somebody stumble. You can prevent yourself from, from being arrogant and going far and far away to evangelize and then teach the wrong message. You can prevent that. Mm-hmm. But there's sometimes... It's so easy to miss the point for here and not even know it. Right. Like you're just living your life and you look back and you say, I missed the entire point of what this was supposed to be about and I didn't even know it. I didn't even I didn't even know I was doing it. And that, that's what happened to me my first trip to Mexico five years ago or four years ago, however long I've been now. It was, man, I'm on fire for Christ, man, I'm... But I get there and I'm like, no, I'm not. I've missed it. And I made the same mistake that, that they did. I, I, made, I made church about everything else than what church is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. I, I've missed the point of worship. I've missed the point of Jesus. And it was, a, it was really a week of reevaluation. It is for me every time. And I'm like, man, I can be better than this. I catch myself saying that all the time. I'm better than that. Yeah. I can be better than that through Christ. Yeah. Not because I'm better myself, but because through Christ I can be better. And so that that's a big one. If you Even if you get nothing else from this, um, verses 16 through 22, read it. 
and then reevaluate your life and say, okay, what makes my life better? Mm-hmm. The things in my life or the things that I get to have or the nice building I get to set in during worship or, or whatever, or is it Jesus? Because that's who makes your life better. Right. And the church, the followers of Jesus that you surround yourself with, that's what makes your life better, not everything else. So that that's a big one for me. I, I like that. No, that's perfect. No, that's great. That's a great way to end it, too. So we are sorry. We have a time crunch this week, but we are going to finish four, five, six, and seven woes next Wednesday. And we'll go back and review these as well. We will, yep. We'll make sure everyone uh, don't feel left out or left behind. But a uh, great way to end it. Have a great week. Everyone, we love you. And Jesus so does Jesus. Huh. So have a great week. Goodbye. Goodbye.